because I do think that all too often we only focus on what went wrong. I mean, yeah. you played football. I did. When we went, we watched film. Yep. What were we watching? Uh, film. Usually looking out for yourself on camera, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and are you looking for the things that you've done right? <clears throat> no. No. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's never that way. And I think I've tried to flip that. And yeah. we go and watch film, and it's more like three to one, four to one, good to yeah. Like, yeah. Trying to, because if you don't know what you're doing right, you don't know. Yeah. Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Hello, everyone. Today, Jim sits down with Tom Midas, the athletic director of Glenbrook South High School, home of the Titans. Tom graduated from Carthage College and earned several master's degrees from North Park University, NIU, and Northeastern. And ultimately, he found himself back in the suburbs he grew up in. He knew this was where he was meant to be. Starting as an assistant director for the Titans about a decade ago, Tom's mission has always been to empower students, athletes, and coaches to be their best. Being a former wrestler himself, Tom understands the value of athletics and preaches the mantra, Athletes Today, Athletes for Life. Sit back as we dive into the tactics that Tom uses to create an effective strength program and team culture. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to like, subscribe, and share. We thank you for listening, and let's get right to it. Tom, among other things, you run one of the largest athletic departments in the state, which I have to assume will put you in the category of nation also. Does that sound right? Probably. What do you, what's, yeah. How many sports do you have here at Glenbrook South? 31. 31 sports, uh, ranging from what to what? Give us a Holy little bit of the cow. rundown. Ranging from, I would say, field hockey all the way down to wrestling. I field, mean, field hockey, you were, uh, were you in the state championship this we year? We were in the state championship this year. Took second. Took so. second in the state championship. Wrestling, you have a powerful wrestling program. Yeah, we just qualified six guys yesterday or Saturday and three alternates, so... Amazing. Tough tough regional, too. Yeah. Really tough regional. Who's Prospect in the Prospect re- from Prospect. Loyola. Loyola yeah. is getting a lot better there. Yeah. Prospect's always got some guys from what I recall, too. Yeah, uh, they, they qualified all 14. Are you serious? Yeah. Their entire roster Their qualified entire for state? team qualified, so. That is wild. Okay. So you had to go through that meat grinder. And uh, so, yeah, the competition here is obviously super high, too. Basketball, you've had your years where you're, the, you know, one of the top teams in the state. What else are you guys good at? Football has been on a nice tear recently. Football's been doing really well. Yeah. Um, our, our lacrosse, girls lacrosse team's done well in the past. Um, but I'd say boys basketball, girls basketball, you know, we're really solid in both of those right now. Those are the big ones? Yep. Okay, so 31 people. That's 31 head coaches. How many assistant coaches go into this? How, like, What's your staff here? So if I go total, I can go yeah, total. That would be total. a lot easier. So yeah. 96 coaches. 96 coaches. Yes, stipend. So, so you manage 96 stipended coaches. You've got an assistant. You've got a support staff in the room. The best it. support staff. The best support staff the best. in the nation. I cannot do what I do if it wasn't for like Courtney Middleton you know, Mark Knappel, my two assistant ADs, they're yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and then Stacy Olmert, my executive assistant, as you know. Yeah, brings, Stacey's great. Brings a whiteboard in. Here we are. Whatever we need. We can make whatever notes we want. And uh, <laughs> we definitely will. We're going to get some drawing here going on for sure. 
Um, so yes, I mean, obviously it's like, well, it's a great entry point to one of the questions I want to ask. I want to, I want to talk about two things today that I think you're an expert in. One of them is, uh, essentially performance psychology, notably the power of habits. That's one of them. And the other is the management of a team that size. Um, we have, we, we often go by this idea. In fact, I'll send you an article when we get off this. Um, if I have not already, it's called commander's intent. You heard of this? I have not. And the idea is, so it's about concept over script. And ultimately, it gets down to this idea taken from the military, at least in part, um, that the leader, you're the leader, has to make his or her intent very clear, but also can't overmanage. Like, how could you ever get to a staff of 96 people and tell them uh, how exactly to behave, what decisions to make, how to respond to a parent email, whatever it might be? You couldn't. But your your intent has to be clear. And the military comparison is like, okay, so the 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 top person in charge would say something to the extent of, in the context of a greater mission, we've got to secure that bridge. And then he empowers the person below him to uh, rally their specific whoop, specific subset of troops to do whatever it takes to get it done. And the lower you go down the totem pole, the more agency there is, but it all has to be vertically aligned to this higher level of intent. Mm -hmm. So as I say that, I'm kind of queuing you up for a couple of things. <laughs> I want to hear uh, wh what you do to bring that to life, what makes it challenging, and in line with this, what is that high level intent? What's the Glenbrook South Titan mission? Wow, that's a lot. So I think that, um, I think the biggest thing is yes, in a leadership standpoint, you know, I'm at the top. I hate that term, but there's really no other better way. Yeah. And what I try to do is just flatten that. So to yeah. give my assistants, give my coaches that autonomy to run their programs the way that they know how. Yeah. I feel like I'm here to give support. So for me, it's like clarity yeah. and support. So they need clear expectations mm -hmm. coming from me. Um, so that's where I need to be direct. But then at the same time, it's that balance of, you know, being the leader that it has that clarity, yeah. but also the ability to kind of let people lead their own way. Yeah. Um, and it's tough. And a lot of times yeah. it's tough because sometimes you, it's like having kids and, you know, I've, I've got two awesome daughters. The hardest part of being a dad is letting them fail. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not going to grow until they feel that failure. Yeah. And as hard as it is as a parent to kind of bite your tongue and not say anything or yeah. not try to comfort them or scoop them up right away. It's, you know, let them feel it, let them sit there and feel it and, and learn from it. And I think that's the, the best way. It's same thing with coaches. Sometimes yeah. it's hard to watch them crash and burn a sure. little bit. Sure. Um, but I know they're doing it right when they can kind of pick themselves up and and learn from those situations. Um, that, that I mean, that's spot on. And, and it's in line with, I might jump to the whiteboard here. Oh, I love, love the already. whiteboard. But like, it, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it, this, the, the fear of failure, you know, and I try to think of this holistically. So there's one, one part of any bit of motivation, whether it's personally or organizationally, has to, be, has to come from a compelling mission. You have to be uh, moving towards something. But the way human nature is, and I wish it wasn't this way, you also have to be moving from something else as far as I've come to understand it. So it's like, uh, do I want to 
um, I, I both want to achieve my best, do my best for the kids if I'm a coach or whatever it might be, do my best for them, win a championship hypothetically is just like sort of a lame carrot to dangle. But like I want to be both moving toward that and moving from something else. Um, now, you don't want to be in a state of constant fear, of course, but I'll give a hypothetical that's that's non-outcome based. Like if you have – uh, say you have like an uncomfortable conversation with a parent, like a, a kid's parent as a coach, the pain of that conversation should resonate to some degree. And moving forward, I think you should want to avoid that discomfort. Now, it takes some digging. It's not as surface level as that. But I think one could say something to the extent of, uh, well, why did this go poorly? Why is this parent mad at me? Is there any validity in that? Uh, whether the parent is valid in their concern or not, what could I have brought to that conversation that's different? You know, so this idea that you have to let people feel that just a touch is really important. And it's the difference. And I hope anyone listening to the podcast would recognize this. It's like one piece of it is like understanding what you and I are talking about right now and saying that you've got to feel failure and move away from it and towards something more powerful. The other piece is like you have to actually touch the hot pan and recoil, so to speak, to like know that like, oh, I really can't touch this hot pan. <clears throat> it's uh, it's uh, full of hard lessons, this job, but uh, that feels like it must be the way. Okay, so so now I'm thinking if, if you're going to let people lead their own way, what goes into a hiring process? Like how do you make sure that you've got the right people who are going to lead and, and fail well? What goes into a hiring process and how do you hold people accountable um, when they do fail? Okay. So I think, I think there's two, I think before we answer that, there's got to be that clarity that I was talking about before. Yeah. And that's where our mission comes into clarity play. mission. That's yeah. right. So our, our, our mission really is it's simple. It's Titans today, Titans for life. Ooh. Um, and, and what that means is we're in sports. We're looking to win. Like I'd be lying if I sat here and said winning doesn't matter because it's right. how we see results. It's yep. the easiest, most tangible way to see how you're doing. Yeah. Um, but for me and for us, we decided that we wanted something bigger. So we yep. always talk about those characteristics. Um, so having that mission helps the coaches have clarity in their yep. own programs. Right. So they at least know what that looks like. Um, and then we have our core principles um, of Titans, team integrity, toughness, all in now and success. And oh, wait, wait, wait. This is so good. Sorry. <laughs> team. Yep. In team. Integrity. What's the T next T? Toughness. Toughness. All in. Now. Now. Love it. And then success. Success. And then, of course, you got to define them. Sure. So team is together. Everyone achieves more. That's a pretty simple one. Yep. Integrity. Do what's I right. I love the acronym on the acronym. This is this is how yes. I, I do like. Only one of it. those, but yes. No, I love it still. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so integrity, do what's right. You know, that's yeah. what we're really talking about with our yeah. kids. I probably the most. Um, and then toughness in your ability to adapt, adjust and attack. Yeah. You're going to face that adversity. Um, and so that's kind of what we, you know, I think the bulk of it is surrounds that, um, hmm. all in, in your effort, energy and execution. So hmm. we talk about like being where your feet are, um, and that's where now comes in. Yeah. Be your feet are. Yeah. So we don't yeah. want, we want our kids to be able to come to athletics and whatever problems they're having outside, they keep that outside. Yeah. Knowing they're always going to go back to it. Right. But then at the same time, know how to turn it off. So when you're, you're, you're done being an athlete, 
you can go be a student. You can go, you know, be a good son, be a good daughter, be a yeah. good community member. Um, so it just doesn't end when practice starts or stops. Um, and then uh, Dude. success, you know, we, we felt like, for me, you have to define success. Mm-hmm. And it cannot be what's on the scoreboard. Um, it's really got to be, for us, leave it better than you found it. Yeah. You know, so you see so many pictures on Twitter where, you know, the team leaves the locker room and they take a picture and it's it's beautiful, yeah. right? They've cleaned yeah, yeah. it all up, you know, and that's what I want our programs to be known for, to be able to go to schools, to win. Again, I'm not going to yeah, yeah. lie. I want right. to win, but that's not what's important. Um we show respect, and then when we're done, we leave it better than we found it. Yeah. That also means our jersey. You yeah. know, we want to leave a legacy. We want our kids to be excited to take that jersey knowing that, you know, uh, Cooper Nord or Nick Martinelli wore that uniform. <laughs> and those are two guys that played basketball for us last year that just ring a bell because of the way they, you know, took the Titans' core principles they lived them out. Yeah. You know, they gave back. And I think, you know, our program's in a better spot because of them. But it started way before them, you know, building that legacy. Oh, sure. Yeah, that, that, that kind of stuff doesn't come out of nowhere. No. Last year, your team, your basketball team was, or they rank, what was their highest ranking? Oh, geez, I don't even know. The, uh, I'll be honest, I team? hate rankings. Yeah, fair enough. Fair <laughs> I enough. hate them, so I try yeah. not to even look. And even when I do, I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah. yeah, rankings don't. Really yeah, what is this even? Yeah, yeah, anything. Totally. Uh, but they were really high. But they I mean, were really high. They were one of the best teams in the state, no question. Arguably one of the best and teams. And that kind of stuff, this is my opinion. You just you made an important point there. That doesn't come out of nowhere. Flash in the pan is uh, just so not exciting yep. to me. And I think it's super rare also, by the way. You could have a, a flash in a pan athlete, meaning like you have like a generational talent who shows up on your basketball team and can 360 dunk. That doesn't mean your team's going to be in the top five in the state or top 10 in the state or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, when you say that, that it, it started, they left their legacy, but it started probably, I'm sure, many years before they're part of a culture that makes complete sense to me. Mm-hmm. Coach Lim's over here. Is this not what he's saying just so on point? Oh, yeah. Because, look, he, and he's not. Goosebumps over here. <laughs> and, and Coach Lim's getting goosebumps. We, we, he's not, um, you know, some people might see this on a video, but mostly audio. He's not reading from anything. This is just in his freaking head. He lives it. Like, you know. I'm not the smartest one. You are. It's just something. When we came in today, they go, we we signed into the building. They're like, oh, you're going to go see the smartest one. (laughs) That's what they said. (laughs) But I I think that it's, you know, in saying that. Yeah. uh, I think one of the biggest things that a lot of people do wrong when they start talking about mission and vision. First of all, they don't even know what the mission is, what the vision is. Yeah, they yeah. get those. And it really doesn't matter how you define it. You can yeah. define those however you right. want. As long but as there's a shared understanding. Right. Of You've got to understand, totally. you know, what that, yeah, what it is. Um, but, you know, they throw it up on a wall and most companies, organizations, teams, schools, they, they can't read that. Yeah. They don't know what the mission statement is. Right, right. right. So I think that it's got to be lived yeah you know, it's got to be lived culture is lived and breathed and that's when you t- when you ask me what am i looking for in a coach like that's what i'm looking for you know you don't have to you have to believe in what the mission is and teach it in your own way but you you've got to have that want and that willingness to to be part of a culture yeah and i think 
you know, what defines a culture, it's, it's the worst behavior that you allow. And I think for hmm. me, that's oh, wow. really what's pushed that's me intense. because I don't like conflict. I really don't. I, yeah. I, I don't like to tell people what they're doing wrong. Yeah. Right. I just feel impelled to do so because I want to make an impact on so many people. Yeah. So whether it's our, our players, mm-hmm. our coaches, our administrators, like that's what I want. I want them to be people who want to make an impact. Yeah. So not just that flash in that plant fat flash in the pan yeah yeah it's it's that person that's going to bring three four guys to make them better and and that's really what i've always when i grew up you know going to school at main west wrestling with a great program we had great wrestlers but what made us a great team was the guys that never wrestled before yeah but we had so many leaders Hmm. that made them better wrestlers because they had someone to follow yeah that's right that's how it works. That's how a culture works, right? We talk about in our, our way, we talk about catalyst concepts all the time and how, and how the leaders are catalysts, how the coaches are catalysts for the energy in the room, for the behavior in the room. None of this stuff happens accidentally. Yeah, you either teach it or you allow it. And that, that's for coaches and, mm-hmm. and kids. All right. So you, you're, you keep touching on so many important ideas here. So, um, you mentioned like the naming of the values and the mission, how there has to be a shared understanding. That is so essential to what we do mm-hmm. at the project. Like that's one of the one of the initial. It's, it's like the starting point. It's the I think the most commonly missed piece is just getting explicit on uh, on what it is that you expect from people. And what I, what happens oftentimes is like, say I'm a football player, which I was, and you go into a football coaching setting, which I did. You have sort of this inherent expectation, like I know what it feels like, I know what it should look like, and and you get good at letting other people know when it's off instead of like pulling people toward and being explicit about where you actually would like them to go. So this intentionality on the front end is huge, but then you made another important point and then you got to live it. And I, and I, I, I did, I, I don't want to take us on too much of a tangent, but I brought up the term like, and if you're going to hold people accountable in any way, and I've seen this go sideways up, whatever, it's really, all it is is the distinction between the named expectation and the lived experience. And whatever that gap is, now you start talking about this is where I get frustrated or this is when I get disappointed. This is where the emotions come up. This is where accountability happens. But if you don't name it initially, what I see too often, and I wonder if you've seen this, probably not here, but maybe just in your life or as a player, coaches railing on people for something that they did not necessarily make explicit. They know as a coach that they didn't like it, but the but the kid may not have even known that this was the expectation. Have you seen that before? <laughs> All too often. <laughs> yeah. All too often. Yeah, but you're not doing that, I guess, is the point. And that's what gets me so <laughs> jacked up is like this is this should be clear. Like I, uh, let's do this. But when I was a coach, I probably was. I mean, yeah. it's, it was definitely yeah, me one too, of those man. things where it's it's learned. Like I look back and we've got young coaches and and I smile sometimes when I see myself in them and i'm like wow i was the same way and i think that's part of like for me like i keep coming back to like it's a teachable moment yeah and it's it's something that is i was in the same spot just because of that lack of knowledge yeah you know i wish i would have known it earlier yeah and that's your empathy oh yeah 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 definitely yeah that's important yep okay i got a question for you give me a story about when one of these things went off no, you don't have to name any names. <laughs> when one of these things went off, 
and uh, and how you navigated it. So what I'm saying now, and I'm drawing on my pad here, which a listener couldn't see, but when one of these core concepts, team, integrity, toughness, all in now, success as contextually defined, when that goes off, what does it look like? How do you fix it? So I think the, the best part of having the core principles yeah. is that it drives the discussion. That's right. So when we're evaluating, you know, and I'm bringing a coach in, we're always going to talk about what went well, what could have been better, and how we can make that better. Yeah. Or, you know, what do we need to start doing to yep. get better? What do we need to stop doing? What's getting in our way? Yeah. Um, when we need to continue doing. Because I do think that all too often we only focus on what went wrong. I mean, yeah. you played football. I did. When we went, we watched film. Yep. What are we watching? What are we watching? Yeah. What are we That's usually a, watching? I love already where you're going. Uh, film. Usually looking out for yourself on camera, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and are you looking for the things that you've done right? Oh, I get. I see where you're going. <clears throat> no. No. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's never that way. And I think I've tried to flip that. And yeah. We go to watch film, and it's more like three to one, four to one, good yeah. to bad. Like, yeah. Trying to... Because if you don't know what you're doing right, you don't know. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's a balance that kind of straying away from the question a little bit. But I think it is um, the do what's right, you know, the integrity part. Yeah. We've got officials that are just getting hammered by some coaches. Yeah. And it's just a constant going to bring them in and talk to them. Um for me, the number one thing is you got to be in control of yourself before mm-hmm. you can control your performance. Yeah. So if you're yelling as a coach at an official over and over and over again, you're not teaching the kids what to do. How how are they going to change what they're doing? Because the result of it is it's never one call. Yeah. It's never oh, one never. play. No, no, no. It's a culmination no. of that. And it's always getting restarted. So yeah. when that referee makes a bad call, yeah. how quickly can you reset and get back to yeah. that present moment and leave that behind yeah. in order to play your best the next one? Because I would argue if you really wanted to look into it, how many plays are really won and lost after a bad play? You know, where right. where you're not in the moment, you're still dwelling about the bad call, the drop shot, the missed shot, and now you blow another one right after that. So, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And and that is, you know, we talk about like life lessons through sport. If that's not a life lesson, my goodness, I don't know what is. So like, okay. So if you're only interested in the performance perspective, and this is kind of a message to coaches, but certainly parents and athletes who hear this too, yelling at a ref is one of the most frustrating things for me to see now that like in this stage of my career, one of the most absolutely frustrating things to see. Um, Every bit of it is faulty logic. Um, and I have a person, um, that you'll go unnamed that doesn't work at your school or the, or the green school, a different school. And I'm not going to name this person. So every once in a while, if you are just chewing out the ref nonstop, I would, I'm going to use the term just bullying him, just yelling at the, maybe you can turn the mind of the ref mildly so that you might get a good call down the road. Right. People think that they but but bullying a ref over the course of the game to potentially get a call down the road, in my opinion, is absurd and faulty logic. First of all, more often than not, it simply does not work. 
Okay, it's just, you're just like uh, you, you forget that that's a human being that you're cussing out and embarrassing in front of all these people. So that doesn't work. Like you say, the reaction piece, it's like, well, well, how what, what are you teaching your kids from a performance reaction perspective? If something doesn't go your way, throw a fit, complain about what didn't go your way instead of clear your head, show up the next play. Don't carry this play and this call for the next series or whatever it might be. Like turn the page. Let's go. There's that. And then also, if we suggest that sports teach life lessons and we're demonstrating as a coach a miss in one of the most important life lessons there is, uh, emotion regulation, okay? If you're showing that your athletes that like you don't have emotion regulation and this is how you solve problems when it doesn't go your way, that's not it. That's not it. And that's one of the things, you know – I like to win too. We share this ideal. And I, but I think we also share this ideal that we'd like to get there in the right way. If you have a state championship trophy, and, but, but you are not teaching life lessons. In fact, you're teaching lessons that would go counter to a productive, healthy, successful life. Then who freaking cares mm-hmm. about that trophy? Honestly, you care about, you send it in, you, you post it in your Christmas card, you send it out to people to be funny and then, and then it's behind you. And what have you really done? Mm-hmm. So. My cheeks are getting red. I'm I'm trying not to name <laughs> names. I'm but I I get so heated about this stuff because and you you, you we've both talked all of us mm-hmm. have talked about this off off the podcast. But like I really believe we really believe everyone in this room the athletics offers one of the most powerful learning platforms on the planet. And if you're not going to use it like that, and you have young kids in your charge, then you've missed something. Something and are you ready for this. I'm juiced up. This is a matcha latte, so I'm getting <laughs> after it. But like, like, if that is you, coach, forgive yourself. I'm talking to a coach listener. Forgive yourself and take a little time to reflect back on why this might be. Like, you know, I have to believe that when that happens, that's that's a wound appearing from somewhere back in that person's life that they don't even realize that they're trying to maybe not heal but gloss over. Mm-hmm. Um so I'll give the human the benefit of the doubt, but man, people in those positions should know better. So there's my rant, Joe. You might have to, uh, anyway. Okay. Well, well, what if we transition here then, uh, to peak performance principles in your mind, uh, habits specifically, I know you're big on habits. Mm-hmm. Give us your thoughts there. Wow. Well, I think that going right from what we were just talking about, it's, you know, control what you can control. Yeah. And I think that's like the number one thing. If there was one thing that I could teach yeah. all our athletes is that, you know, figure out what you can control in your sport, figure out what you can't control. Yeah. Focus what you can control on. And when you start thinking about the things that you can't control, how are you going to let it go? How are yeah. you going to release that and let it go? So I think that's that's like the biggest thing in terms of habits. It's a lot easier for a kid that's in a sport to develop those habits. I think that's why you see them always doing well. Yep. But what happens when there is no more schedule? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. have to be here. Um, I think that's where we tend to, to start struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, it's developing good habits, you know, and, and, and trying to teach our student athletes and our coaches, you know, really I'm trying to teach our coaches how to do that yeah. and use it in their life right. to be able to close that gap because mm-hmm. then they can teach it to their athletes. That's you know, good. I think man. for me, that's that's what being an athletic director is really about. It's not 
yes, it's it's supporting our coaches, but we're not. You know, I couldn't go in and coach soccer. I couldn't yeah. go in and be a gymnastics coach. I bet you could figure it out. I could figure it out, but yeah. I can't teach the technique. Yeah. Right. So, but what I know I can teach is some of the things that help you succeed, maybe a little faster. Yeah. Um, but at the at the end of it, it's really about taking care of yourself. Your social emotional well being is yeah. going to be better, um, and, and having habits that you do daily. Yeah is only going to do that. So it's also kind of finding those habits that, yeah. that work for you as well. Well, but your point is such a good one because I think in athletics, it's really the theme. It's so, all of this is so on theme and, and athletics do provide a really clear direction, especially when folks like you take the time to name what we're up to and then enter like the one of our mantras. Does your behavior match your goal? Now you start to set up habits that will align with whatever it is you've named there too. Like I, I know a lot of people who have habits, quote unquote, that they think are serving them, but they could not clearly articulate why they've chosen X, Y, or Z. They just, you know, maybe they saw someone doing it. Maybe their dad used to do it that way. So they replicated mm-hmm. it. But does this actually serve you? It takes a different level of awareness. And you're right, Tom, you bring up, uh, I want you to expand on this if you don't mind and maybe even touch on your career after being an athlete, although you're, you're a golfer. You're you're still an athlete. Um, I like to think so. Yes, you, you are, dude. No question. <laughs> so so when you have the the rigor of an athletic season, uh, the goals are clear, the habits align. What happens either in the off season or perhaps even more importantly, once your athletic career is behind you? Oh, yeah. That's that's a lot. I it's think. Hard. I mean. When we're talking even in high school sports now, there's really no off season. Yeah. So I think it's that balance for coaches in terms of getting away. Yeah. Because we have some coaches that can't get away. Yeah. And then we've got some of those coaches that are gone. And yeah. they're not, you know, bringing those kids back together. Yeah. I want multiple, you know, sport athletes. So for me, it's more about staying involved, getting involved. Yeah. Um, but then post season, I think that, or not not post season, when they're done playing, yeah, post career, that I mean, I just know it. I mean, that brings back for it, me, yeah, like holy yeah. cow, how hard it was because yeah. I didn't think I was not. I I always knew playing. I always yeah. knew playing football. Yeah. You know? So when it was done in college, it was hard to kind of see myself as something that wasn't a football player. I always identified myself as a football player, you know, which all, which brings back up, you know, I hear kids say all the time, I'm a football player. Well, no, you play football. Right, right, right. You're not a football player. You play football. Um, And I probably got to expound on that with some people Mm -hmm. a little bit better. um, Because I do think that when people stop playing, that's where they lose those habits because they don't quote unquote have to do them. Yeah. Anymore. So even when I'm working with an athlete now about habits, you know, I talk to him more about it's not about the habits for your sport. It's about yeah. what's your AM and PM routine. When yeah. you wake up, what are you doing? When yeah. you go to sleep, what are you doing? Because that's going to tell you a lot about, you know, uh, are they getting enough sleep? Mm-hmm. And then when they get up, are they ready to go? You know, are they eating yeah. a breakfast? Stuff like that. So yeah. that's where I, you know, talk to coaches a little bit when I'm trying to teach them how to do this. It's not about the habits themselves so much. Yeah. 
Um, it's about creating better habits for the areas where we don't control as much. Right. So we can control their performance when they're with us, but we can't control their nutrition. We can't control mm-hmm. how they sleep. And I think those are the two biggest areas Huge, yeah. that, yeah. that are almost untouchable, not completely, but almost untouchable by a coach. Hmm. Because you got your parents who they're the ones buying the food. Yeah, right, exactly. And letting that's their kids, the... you know, stay up or sleep in. That's really important. Yeah, that's huge. You're, you, I mean, it's really big. And I couldn't help but think while you're saying that. Um, I just want to press on it because you and I, everyone in this room, has found themselves in athletics, even post career as an athlete, which is saying something. But I'm always interested in, <clears throat> honestly, like. I love sports. I love football. It's what pulled me from a player to a, an educator. I think I've always been an educator, but it's what drew me to my first coaching gig. And I wonder, I've, I've thought for a long time, like, what, who am I? I think you know this. I played in college. I played after college. I think for a while I would have referred to myself as a football player. And, uh, and then I coached. I jumped right into coaching. But, like, what's your life like without football? You know, is not something or what will your life be like without football and everything that goes along with that is not something I think I took a lot of time to try to understand mm-hmm. while I was in the middle of it. So and now I don't even have like a punchline or a thought. I'm just reflecting on this because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, and there, there too, it's like sports don't teach life lessons necessarily. I learned my life changed because of football. I've said that on this podcast many times, but. Um, but I almost wish if I could go back and do it over again, I wish I would have had a more clear vision of who I was as a person playing football than having like football be my identity. And now I've always been, and I'm not going to, I don't want to go overboard with this. I, I like the arts. I was a studio art major in college while I was playing football, the whole deal. So I've had a diverse array of things, but what you're saying, Tom is hitting me, resonating with me in an important way. So <laughs> That's what I felt. Yeah. yeah. I definitely know my worst was when I was just, just got done playing football in college. Yeah. Before I got my first job. Yeah. That was, a, yeah. The, that yeah. year and a half between was really difficult. Yeah. Like probably, you know, it was where I made the worst decisions of my life. Yeah. You know, until I met my wife, got a job. I mean. Yeah. Of course, the wife's going to put me in line. Sure. She's great. And yeah. I mean, <laughs> if it wasn't for her, I don't know where I would have been because yeah. that that's kind of what filled that gap a little bit that gave me some clarity on who I was and what I mm. wanted to do. So that's what I get, not fearful, but I think the biggest concern for me when you ask me about like when you stop playing, your career is over. Yeah. That's what brought that response in me was like, oh, man, that, that that's – some of my worst times were then. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's powerful. I wonder how many people would agree yeah. and say have like I think a lot of people would say that same thing. I think that's probably true for me. Some of my toughest times were right at that intersection of when I was like no longer gonna be a football player. Mm-hmm. Think about the depth of that idea. It's like the more you give yourself, it's this double edged sort of investment, and that's it's this double edged sort of investment. The more you invest in your career the steeper the cliff will be once it's over, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to navigate that space. And if you're not ready to step over and onto the next thing, you don't have a clear idea of who you are. That's going to be hard. 
And I would say that to all the coaches out there, if you're not doing, uh, there's all sorts of things. One of my one of my friends, Maurice, loves the identity circles thing. But it's like if you're not working simultaneously to get clear on who you are and what's important to you, once that sport is gone, um, you might be in for some tough times. So, yeah, that's totally true. Where were you living at this time? In were Kenosha. You, in Kenosha. Yep, I was still at Carthage because I yeah. – Changed my career, so okay. <laughs> I had to take a whole new. So I did my student teaching after I graduated gotcha. with exercise sports science, and then I um, stayed to finish up the teaching. Yeah. What position did you play? So I was recruited as a corner. So my Love freshman it. year, I was a corner. Yeah. My sophomore year, I was a middle linebacker. Love it. Is that come from uh, unlimited cafeteria access? Is that the, how that? That was definitely <laughs> yeah, part of it. Sure, for sure. sure. I think I put on, I think it was like 40 pounds. But I can never lift in high school either because I was usually cutting weight for wrestling. Ah, I played yeah, yeah. football, wrestling, baseball. Mm-hmm. So I never had that time to train like a lot of kids yeah. do now, which yeah. I wouldn't do in any other way. But... Yeah, I mean, I just got to lift and eat yeah. in in college, and it was pretty easy to put on 40, 50 pounds, you know, in a couple of years. So, but then I ended up playing D line. I was a nose. Dude, that's awesome. Junior year and senior year. Scrap. So, Do you have the beard at the time? As a quarterback in high school. So, oh, from <laughs> was quarter to full, corner. Yep. To linebacker to nose. Yep. That's it. That's the meal plan. That's the career trajectory. Yep. Kind of went backwards. No, you advanced. Well, in terms of like freshman year, I was linebacker, quarterback. Yeah. Didn't yeah. want to play quarterback, yeah. of course, but kind of got forced to. But then by my junior year, my head coach was like, Ray Patnuzo, he's like, no, you're not going to play. Because I wanted to play defense. Yeah. Like, no, you're not playing linebacker. This is in high school. You're going to be a quarterback. Is that Main West? Yep. You're saying? Yeah, yeah. So we kind of had to make a deal that I could sure. play defense. Yeah. It just wasn't linebacker. I had to be a safety uh, my junior year and senior year. Got so. you because they needed you a quarterback. Yep. Okay, I like this. When you <laughs> when you graduated from, where did you align with in, when you were at Carthage with some of their really good years? Did you win a conference championship there? No, didn't. No. Was that I would like you? to say I uh, was one of the set the stage for it. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> no, I think that was. Did you just miss? You must have two just years missed it after. Then. So I, I okay. coached one year. Yeah. After I graduated. Yeah. Um, and then that following year. Or two. There could have been two years after that. One or two years is when they. There was a running back. Yeah. What was that guy's name? Do you remember? There was some. They had a running back at Carthage. Yeah. Who was a monster. Yeah. He was younger than me. Yeah. Yeah. He was on those championship teams. I want to say, well, Jason Kalinowski's was a guy that I played um, D line with. That he was on that team that okay. made that run. Yeah. Um, and he's a cop up in Gurney now. Oh, wow. So I think he hired one of the guys. I can't remember. Really? Yep. I'm tr- so I'm trying to think of the name. It'll come to me. Yeah. And I know, and I, yeah, for sure. Cause I remember he was in the, he was in the running for like the D3 Heisman at one point. I remember that. Uh, I played with a guy named John Binnish. Randall? It was Randall. That could be. Randall, if you're out there, <laughs> let us know. But yeah, anyway, but but Carthage had some great years in there for sure. Mm-hmm. CCIW championships, etc. Um, okay, so habits. I want to keep going on this habits idea because it's certainly one of your areas of expertise. What's the now? We're not getting paid for this or anything, but what's the uh, what's the app that you use to track habit share? Habit share. Yes, it's free. So yeah. So, and how do you set that up with people? So <clears throat> every time. If I'm if I'm working with someone, it's probably going to be the first thing that I do is yeah. set up habit share. And yeah. and really, what it is is going to go slow with it because I don't want to add. Most people that I'm talking with are usually 
the high achievers that are yeah. going to do pretty much everything that you say. Yeah. And knowing how I felt when I was that age yeah. is way too much. Yeah. Always, I mean, it just seemed like adding more things to my plate than taking it off. Sure. So we're really just setting up, make your bed in the morning. That's it. So we'll do that for two, three weeks. No, but the nice thing about habit share is it's shared with everybody, right? So whoever you, you give it to, every yeah. time you click that you did it or didn't do it, yeah. I'm getting it. So there's accountability. So the three there. of us, if we're like, hey, guys, we're going to do 100 push-ups a day. By the I end of the day, we all – okay, do you hear this? Mm-hmm. We're doing it. I, I just got us <laughs> roped into it. But But we would all get – visibility on how each other is doing mm-hmm. like through email or something or, yep, or it's right on app. the phone. Yep. Yeah, it yeah. just sends you a message on the phone. Yeah. You know, Jim Davis completed his hundred pushups. Yep. Um, so then like what I do is when I get those is if I see the, that they did it, send them a good job. If yep. I see that they didn't don't say anything negative. It's always about, we never want to have two red days in a row. So if you don't do it gotcha. on the app, it turns red. So we got to think about, we got to have a conversation about it. This could be a powerful tool. It is. It is. Uh, I'm telling you, it is one of the most powerful things only because at first people are kind of like, you know, it's more of accountability. Oh, they're looking over my yeah. shoulder. They see that I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to do it. Right. Um, and it really, until you get right. a month, two months in, they really start to switch and understand that it's not really about, you know, doing it or not doing it. Right. It's about finding what is working for you, the yep. consistent behaviors that you have, and then just keep living them out. But then also having somebody to look and ask you what's yeah, yeah. going well. Yeah. You know, what what could be better and how can we do it better? So I always look at what can we focus on one thing that we can do better every single week. Where like before, I, I don't know, it was a hundred things. Right. <laughs> it always, can be over- I'm no, trying to work man. on and I could get – way too into that where I've found ever since I've started tracking my own habits, yeah, it's, I'm always not going to be great at something, mm-hmm. but I'm always going to be pretty good at other things. Sure. So it's that balance of like, well, how can I get better at what I'm not doing well right now and, and see if I can. So if it's a change in the habit, I've got data right here that'll tell me if I'm yeah. doing it right or wrong. And I can tell you right now, my worst habit is taking my wife out on a date once a week. You know, I can tell you, I'm at 63%. What the? If it's good, it'd be above 80%. You were just saying that this woman changed your life. She man. did. I know. 60, that's a D. It's, it's, uh, I know. Yes. <laughs> I know. I only got one D ever. Okay. Yeah. And I don't like that feeling. Yeah. But, you know, she's busy too. And sure. We sure. both can make the excuse. And that's the problem is we keep making the excuse, but we haven't found the habit that's worked for us. You know what has been true to me? And you know that I do a variety of things, including like you, um, some one-on-one engagements with high-achieving people. The smarter the person is, I've found, the easier it is for them to rationalize the not doing of a thing. Because they can come up with a totally legitimate and well-configured response to why they didn't do the thing they said they were going to do. That's it's like uh, mm-hmm. it's like a lawyer problem. Like a, you know, they can talk their way in circles around why they did it. Eventually. <clears throat> Sometimes I, I and you got to push me on this, Coach Lamb. If you sometimes I'll say like I'll say uh, like I don't care, and and I, I almost don't want that in the podcast. Keeping the podcast, but it's like I say it. Care is so essential to who I am as a person. Honestly, like I've been doing a lot of soul searching and 
personal diagnostics and work recently, but like care is just kind of who I am. So I never don't care. Sometimes I say things as provocative as like they, someone starts to tell me a story. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Just to get through the idea through that, like whatever this story is that's surrounding the behavior, like I believe you. I, fair enough. Also, I don't want to talk about it. What I want to talk about is to your point, like, did you make the bed? Did you go on the date with your wife? You're busy. Here, I'm just going to be, I hope your wife listens to this. <laughs> yeah. So is every other human on the planet who's doing something meaningful is busy. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, dude. Don't no, let me get that. <laughs> I don't want that to get you in trouble. If that's what helps, yeah. it's what I need. Well, and, and it's like, and, and this is the thing about does your behavior match your goal mm -hmm. that's so powerful to me. You're talking about, you know, this, this habit sharing and all this kind of stuff. We also, as thoughtful human beings, have the ability to adjust when we want to. Like maybe you say like, look, we're swamped. We got kids. This is the heat of it. Maybe we cut ourselves a little bit of slack and change the standard only slightly. But maybe, but maybe that means, but we have to replace that with like a sweet and loving text. You know, two texts that are just about you, not what's going on over the course of a week. Maybe that is sort of our holdover. And that's um, exactly is that the kind of things you do. I would work with somebody else. I mean, I think yeah, that's right. perfect. It, it's it's not a, set the goal mm -hmm. that you're going to actually reach it. Yeah. And right. Almost sounds a little counterintuitive, but the way that I, I I hate goal setting. And why I say I hate goal setting is because people in my opinion just don't do a good job of yeah. leading people to set up good goals. Yeah, and, fair, yeah. But the 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 big idea behind it is I'm not taking that time to go on a date with my wife right now, yeah. right? So I haven't set it up in a way that's worked for us. Yeah. So I either need to figure out what's going to trigger myself to actually do it. Yep. Easiest one I can think of, you put it on your Google Calendar. Yep. I love Google Calendar. Yeah. I plan out every hour of my day. Yeah. And it's really helped me sure. to find time yeah, yeah, yeah. to get the things that I say I don't have time for. Mm -hmm. um, That's right. Because it can definitely feel that right. way. You can't, you, don't, you, can't, you don't have time to take your wife out. There's yeah. all of this time. I know. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. we're busy. She's busy. Yeah. We've got kids. We put our kids before our needs probably more than we should. You know, we don't. It happens. It, it does happen. So for us in the stage of life that we're in right now, yeah. maybe it, it means changing what that really means. Yeah, maybe right. maybe a date night for us is sitting on the couch for 10 minutes, not turning the TV on and it, actually talking. Yeah. I mean, yes, dude. maybe yeah, it's just like sitting it. yeah, and drinking knows? a coffee yeah. in the morning. like No phones. That's where I come and mm -hmm. I'm my worst enemy because here's my goal. Like, this is what I said my goal is. I'm having a hard time changing it. Yeah. Because I don't want to lower my standards. Yeah. And sometimes we got to lower that just to get some wins under and our even, belt. And even could you even just say adjust? Then. Not even oh, lower, yeah. just adjust. Just adjust. Adjust the standard. And it's exactly what I would do with a client who's not yeah. making their bed in the morning. Yeah. You know, right. figure out well, why aren't we? What's the trigger? Maybe we can have it stack. Yep. You know, and if it's still not working, right? Maybe maybe we're not making our beds the way we have to in the military. Right? Yeah. Maybe the, you know just throw your pillows yeah. at the top and whatever maybe it might be. Yeah. Try maybe, to start there. Maybe the person's not that. Maybe they don't get it. Maybe it's not resonance to them. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair enough. But couldn't we start with just pull up the street? She's a little yep. bit. I, who knows? Yeah, this is really good. Okay, so um, I'm gonna pull this over real quick. <laughs> is that okay? I'm sorry. This is just on. We're, we're on this habits thing. 
and alright. So this is the way, I don't know if you're gonna be able to hear me. This is my only concern. We'll see. Hopefully, uh hopefully we'll be able to see. So so purpose, goals, sub goals, behaviors, habits. It's uh, the way that we try to structure habit stuff, and, and I don't know if we ever shared this on the podcast, uh, but purpose is like sort of the higher order, the big idea. So this is like, let's call it Titans for life. Uh, who knows? The goals are the, this starts to become more tangible. So maybe it's, um, I don't know, let's, let's make it personal. I want to be disciplined. I want to win a championship, whatever it might be. Sub goals are like make bed. Uh, consistent, whatever, nutrition, whatever. Okay. Uh, no, no I, I'm sorry. I had that backwards. These would be more like behaviors. Sub goals are be like daily discipline routines. Sub uh, behavior would be make the bed every day. All of a sudden, here's how this all fits together. I hope this is understandable. All of a sudden, if the goal is compelling enough and there's a thoughtful articulation of what the sub goals and behaviors look like to make sure that the goal is accomplished, then they become habits. And that's where you can start. Now you don't even think about it. So it takes up less. This is a brain. How do you feel about that? That's a brain. Can you see that, Coach Lynn? Uh, so all of a sudden, it's like an embedded thing, mm-hmm. you know, because most of what we do is on the habitual level, the way we react to certain things. It's, it's all it's way down here. So can you identify a goal? create sub goals and behaviors, which will ultimately fuel the goal and then create habits, which is ultimately a life. This is just like the way you live around that. Now, here's the thing that I think is special from like the approaches like yours, the, what you articulated earlier, what we try to do is like, if this is strong enough, hopefully all of these will serve this, whether or not that gets accomplished. And that's how, that's like the magic of it. So one of our jobs as coaches and leaders is like, if we can create habit structures that are aligned vertically here, but that will make these people, you know, uh, titans for life, make them, you know, social, emotional learning, character, healthy for life, communicators, relationships, like make them better people. Then it's like all of a sudden, like we said, the trophy is going to lose its resonance someday, whether you win it or not. Mm-hmm. So if this can fuel that, then you're really on to something. Um, and it sounds like that's kind of what you guys are doing here, <laughs> which is awesome. Yep. Which it's, yeah, it's really. explained in a way that we've never explained it, which is. But you're doing instinctually, instinctively mm-hmm. almost. You know, this is just, this is the Titan way. I mean, it's you know? the exact yeah. same thing. Yeah. And that's why, and this, this, and this is the, um, you can just turn that off if you want, Coach. So and, and that's and that's the and that's why I'm so interested when you when it comes to performance psychology and performance enhancement uh, and leadership ability and all these things. The idea that like the the fact that you focus on habits and habits that actually fuel something bigger. I mean, if that's all you do, if that's all you can change, then uh, then so be it. Um, all right, I got to talk about one more thing, and I know we're about out of time here, but can I draw one more picture? Yes. Okay. Coach Lim, I don't know if I ever showed you this before either. See? Possibly, though. So this is, I'm super, and we can even cut this from the podcast, dude. Like, we'll see, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see <laughs> in terms of editing. But um, like... have you ever seen this diagram from me? Yes. Oh, I know. Okay. That's the self. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're probably – hey, podcast, if you're listening on the podcast, we're going to take a brief pause. <laughs> you can watch this video <laughs> potentially, but but uh, anyway, there, there's that. So I don't know how you're going to work through that uh, from a podcast editing perspective. All of that at time to say this. Maybe to make up for this D minus in one of your habits, <laughs> do you think she would appreciate if you told her that you appreciated her on a podcast where hundreds if not thousands of people will listen or millions? Or potentially millions if For Jacko sure. gets involved? Oh, abs- Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, no, but absolutely. In terms of, you know, we talk about relationships all the yeah. time, which I feel like is one of my strongest. Yeah. I think that's what allows me to be, you know, good at the things that I do. Yeah. Um, it's because I believe in and want those relationships yeah. with people. Um, and that's why I married my wife is because our relationship – Despite not maybe meeting our requirements of one date night a week, <laughs> yeah. we are yeah. still really strong because yeah. we have those sh- shared things like our kids and stuff yeah. like that that we we love, and that's where our time is spent. You know, what do you that. like most about her? You can go as many as you can go two or three things if you have to. Well, yeah, we don't have time to get into <laughs> all two, of yeah, the things for sure. Um, but surface level stuff. Surface level stuff. I mean, she. She knows like who I really am. So she in a in the best way checks me when I'm not that person. When I don't align with those, you know, the values that I have. Yeah. You know, she's the one that can get me to to remember that. Yeah. And and to be that. I don't think that there's I think that's the best thing about her is that I'm my true self when I'm with her. So that's big. And when I'm not. So sure. Definitely. Dude, I love that. And and to bring this full circle, I want to say thank you, not only for your time, but for all the work you do for our friendship. I'm excited to introduce the two of you, but also when you explain who you are in your, as a human, to be able to align that with your professional pursuit and bring the relationships and the, and the truth of who you are mm-hmm. and what you want. And I think you're an educator by nature. You're a caring person by nature. Um, that, that, more than any of these other skills about managing a staff or whatever, that sort of alignment of personal values and professional values, that sets someone up for success. So it's no surprise for what it's worth that that you're doing the things that you're doing at the way, at the level that you're doing them at. Well, I appreciate that very much. I appreciate you. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them's up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T dot com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.